0: Well, what? Welcome, welcome back, everyone, to uh, <laughs> the Elder Millennial Network, where we are we are Exo Friends, the ExoSquad Squad podcast, the only one in existence, except the ones that came before. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded, and today we're going over episode nine, Veil of Doom, part four, sabotage. And uh, I am David Hoyt, joined by
1: Kevon Fashami
0: and
2: Lexi De Koning and I just I did my first year student thing where I quickly did the homework like 10 minutes before class and I speed read the script for this episode <laughs> right before we started recording so
0: well so, at least you did the homework i
2: mean uh, <laughs> yeah i mean this is how i this is how i got an undergraduate degree let's be honest and how most of my students
0: are getting their degrees so you know I mean you know this is not good <laughs> pretty sure I'm pretty sure we could say that about most anyone who went to college it, it actually yeah. always amazes me whenever I hear other people's college stories and they're like I spent hours and hours a week working on this and like unless they're an art student who actually yeah. has to like produce work for their undergraduate degrees, I'm always just looking at them like how right because I remember my undergraduate experience. I didn't do shit. (laughs) Like I I remember playing video games like twelve hours a day, barely ever going to class Mm -hmm. and just walking out with a piece of paper and being like, Well, that was that, I guess. Done.
1: Yeah, that's I know, right? Like I feel like that's a lot of like undergraduate experiences is just like, Hey, I'm here for four years, I learned like occasionally a thing or two that I'll probably forget in a year or two, and that's that. Right. I mean, it's
2: as it... I was gonna say. Honestly, even in my fourth year of college, like, which for us is where postgraduates, like, whatever graduate school begins. uh, I was teaching first year recitation sections on Hard Times, the Dickens novel, and I still to this day have not read Hard Times. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nor should you. I
2: was like, it's it's called Hard Times. Why would I want to read that?
1: <laughs> hard times, man. Wow. (laughs) reasons why i will never get a job all right anyway so i did the homework
2: i did the homework 10 minutes before the recording so i'm just going to interject here and there with uh places where i noticed that the the original script which the first draft i see is submitted on february 27th 1993 uh where it kind of differs from the episode and the main beats of the action are really similar but The first thing I want to point out is that the original title for this was actually Behind the Shield. So I think Sabotage is a much better name and it makes me think of that song
0: by the Beastie Boys.
1: Heck yeah.
0: Oh my God. I haven't thought of the Beastie Boys in at least a decade. (laughs) And now that song is in my head and it will never leave. There you go. I blame you. (laughs) So so just a quick shout out. What's the name of the site that you got the script from? um,
2: So I I got the script from Exosquad Archive. Sorry, I'm just checking here. Yeah, exosquadarchive.com. And they have a bunch of really cool stuff. Like most of what it looks like, I think I mentioned this in previous episodes, Um, they have like a whole catalog of the toys. Uh, they have kind of episodes of the cartoons and then just, they've seem to have like recorded here, like different versions that came out on VHS or Blu-ray or whatever. And then they actually have a small section where they have this episode script, another one from season two, and then the show Bible, which is like kind of... I don't know. Like pre-show documents where you create the world and so I don't know. We we do actually have to do an episode on just the show bible sometimes. Cause, like there's an amazing um timeline of like what happens on Earth between 1993 or whatever and like the time of Exo Squad, so That's awesome. Yeah. Nice.
0: Well, yeah, and they they've got a they, I think, you know, if if anyone wants to support the Exo Squad archive, go go there. I think they sell like some some various merchandise. Mm. Uh, it would be nice to th- kick a few bucks their way if anyone feels so inclined to do that. They're, uh, they've done a really good job, at least I think, of uh, key- of putting a lot of interesting stuff about the show up online for everyone to see. Um, it's also, uh, I never realized that the, uh, if you look on the NBC Peacock service where we're watching this, the title, Card or screen for the show that you see there hmm. is actually like old the old artwork for JT Marsh and the rest of the show. It's not like the way we see him in the show. It's when he had like the weird brown hair and like that curly cube in front and everything. Oh, uh, <laughs> when he was Mace Corbett. Yeah, Mace Corbett <laughs> need to write a book. What, what it needs to be it needs to be a character in a book somewhere. Right.
2: Uh, yeah, that's actually really. Funny, I hadn't thought about that. Um, anyway, yeah, so I'll just interject randomly with stuff that I noticed when I did my homework 10 minutes ago <laughs> that was nice. different between the uh, original script and the show. Um, but this is an awesome episode.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's a really good episode. But like when I was watching it, even though I took the same amount of notes I always do, it, it seemed like... If I, if I were to describe it beat by beat, it would be a lot of and then they moved fifteen feet, <laughs> <laughs> and, and something happened. Uh, but it it be, it starts out as usual with the with the review of the last episode. And while I was watching it, it, it started to dawn on me how like this old timey news filter, whether on purpose or not, that they put on the reviews really starts to work and make it seem like some kind of behind the scenes war reporting. And it started to make me think, like, cause you know the only war that the U.S. has "quote unquote" lost in in like the time when you would have news like that is the Vietnam War, right? And it, you get you you could see what reporting from the from the losing side can look like back then, but not like from the losing side who's actually like in peril of being wiped out, right? And it started to make me think, what does what does war reporting look like from that point of view? And I couldn't, I like, it, it couldn't, I couldn't think of anything. Like, do you two do you have any examples of that that you know of? Like, you're much more studied than I am on everything. So, I mean, I feel like this is Kayvon's purview.
1: I've looked at some um, some German stuff from like uh, like forty two forty three. I found a whole archive of. Um, this uh, newspaper called um, which means like, uh, like something like, you know, like, um, like ladies words or something like that. But it was like the woman's, it was like a woman's newspaper in the Third Reich um, after, you know, like some of the like major defeats of like Stalingrad and uh, the sort of like the kind of point where uh, the point of no return on the Eastern Front for the German army. And it's all like, that's the thing is like, I mean, I think it depends on the kind of... Um, Country or state or you know like whatever that's like losing the war because like for the nazis it was very much like oh this is a temporary setback we'll move on it'll be fine you know uh the communists got the upper hand on this this one time through their dirty tricks and then you know but we'll get them because we're like you know stern and and like nazi propaganda was very just like optimistic and jingoistic well all the way up until pretty much the end like you know they weren't like weren't even willing to admit that like things were over so I imagine a lot of it, like, I mean, like, war reporting, I think it would also kind of depend on who's, t- how independent the journalists are. Um, you know, like, yeah. uh U.S. war reporting in Vietnam was fairly critical, but it was because the journalists were just kind of there hanging out and wandering around, at least to my understanding of it. It was not, it wasn't as managed. And that was part of the reason war reporting became so heavily managed starting with the first Gulf War was to, like, it could, um, and so, you know, if you have independent journalists who are able to, like, actually get out to these fronts and report on what's going on, then, yeah, maybe I imagine you would get, like, um, you know, a more accurate picture. But it just kind of depends on how much control the state has over things because, you know, I don't think it would be in the state's interest to report to its uh, uh, civilian population that it's losing, right? It's like, oh, we need, like, we need yeah. more effort, not like, hey, we're doomed. <laughs> like, we're all going to get wiped out, right?
0: But you would <laughs> – like i don't even know if you'd ever really have this kind that kind of reporting on on like a guerrilla style reporting for guerrilla war efforts uh, from the losing side right mm. cuz you wouldn't like i am I'm almost imagining you wouldn't like have the apparatus to get the data out there except nowadays really like you anyone can get anyone can get reporting out there but uh like yeah. it it was just it, while I was watching it I was just thinking man, like Man, if the U.S., you know, if we were if if we were invaded, what would the reporting look like from our side if we were really losing? You know, yeah. in the in the fish in the facetious sense, like the exo is losing against the neo sapiens, because at this point in time, like the exo is clearly not is at a disadvantage in this war. Right. They. They don't have defensible positions, they have less pe- less ships, they've suffered tremendous loss at this point, and, you know, especially on Venus, i would be like, how, how could you, what would reporters convey about the refugees on Venus, and would they do it in a responsible way? And what is responsible? You know, that's a discussion for another time, obviously. But,
1: but, but I um, think it's an interesting question, and it's like I mean, it's yeah. sort of like I think it would have structure, you know, like what's what's his name, Charles Murray? You know, I think <laughs> oh, some God. of these, like, <laughs> yeah, I think some of the like the yellow journalism would probably be out there just like playing up the human tragedy side of this, of like, look at how terrible these people's conditions are; they're starving to death, and like, look at this baby, like zooming in on like you know like skeletal children and stuff. To drive home, like, just the horror of it. Because, like, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. I think you'd get a whole... I think you would get a whole variety of things, you know, depending on, like... Because, like, there's one of the things that the Extra Squad universe doesn't seem to have, or at least doesn't seem to touch on, is the sort of, like, intra-human politics. Like, is there still a left? Is there a right? Do people fight over things like healthcare? Do they have healthcare? Like, is it all just, like, one fascist super state? So, like, everybody just has, like, you know, there's, like, one political party, and you belong to the party. Because I think like, you know, like the part is, you know, like it's obviously they're not going to get into this for a kid's show, but like it's like fertile ground um, to just sort of speculate. Mm-hmm. About, I guess is like what, well, is there a political press? Like how would the left cover this versus the right? Like that sort of stuff. Um,
0: yeah. And, and especially you know, in a lot of few episodes right, right here then. where we were seeing the desperation of the Venusian resistance and James is about to sell three sentient creatures for a couple months worth of food. Like. That would be intensely demoralizing for any war effort, right?
2: right? Yeah,
0: right.
2: Uh, yeah, the, I don't know. They're, I, as Nara says, they're desperate, though, right? Like, yeah. I think that's that's something that I really liked about this episode was that it, you know, in its for its child audience, it does a really good job of showing, like, sometimes people make bad or not good or dubious decisions when they are desperate sometimes you know things that we see as black and white morality aren't actually black and white in situations like this and both nara and um jt kind of like repeat that sentiment at various points in the episode and that's again what makes the show so popular with like people of our generation i can see you know why even watching this as a child you probably would have picked up on that right like Mm. this is more complex than goodies and baddies and black and white morality
1: right you can make bad decisions but not be a bad person because of the circumstances you're making those, those decisions in yeah.
0: yeah it's almost like our situation defines our decision making <laughs> no mm. oh, about there the is no society Dave <laughs> we live in a society god, <laughs> god damn that movie uh. <laughs> <laughs> alright so, what actually the, the, happens in the episode <laughs> yeah what actually happens in this show that we're talking about uh N- nara after the pre after the review nara arrives at the snake tree after in the last episode she found james's message uh about a, at the gravesite of her family farm and her mother and father and she arrives to find the only people there or at least the only people that come forward is a woman that she used to know when she lived on venus and her child they're obviously starving like they're both gaunt um it, the the child has this weirdly expanded cranium i don't I, I don't know why when i watched that i was like is that what children look like when they starve <laughs> I, I don't
2: well... I think they're trying to, yeah, exaggerate, like, the emaciation because, you know, your little skull is still there and it's visible now because you don't have, like, hair or, you know, any yeah. kind of flesh on your body. <laughs> and then, like, the rest of you just looks really, you know, I don't know. It's This is going to sound like they- a really awful analogy, but it's the way, like, hyper-emaciated people or people with eating disorders to the extreme degree, sometimes end up looking like anime characters where they have this like enormous head sitting on like a tiny little body, right? i You
0: never thought of it that way, but you're right. Sorry,
2: I think that's the look they were going for. (laughs)
0: Right. I also... They do do a good job of it. Yeah. 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 You look at it and you're like, these people are in dire straits. Yeah. Yeah and then and then nara tosses
1: them a giant candy bar (laughs) well at first when we're watching it she's like oh my god you're starving and she opens up this like briefcase full of food and throws them one bar and i was like oh god (laughs) like what and then she eventually does later throw the whole briefcase but also just the way that she tosses it too she's just like she's like here have it just like throws it at her she
2: she does like an over an overhand throw yeah it looks like she's trying to take that kid out with a candy
0: bar well, again, in, in just just showing again, Nara's freakishly strong upper body, where she <laughs> can take this this briefcase that looks like it weighs at least a good sixty or seventy pounds, is like, whoop, yeah, And the poor kid's like probably like calcium deficient, so it might just like shatter his bones. <laughs> 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 like in a in a in a in an outtake reel, it actually shows it hitting the
1: kid, and he just dies. <laughs> yeah, it oh like, breaks into a million pieces. Like, <laughs> well, I guess we got to write the first time. Then moving on. <laughs> oh but there is something like really i think like part of the power of the scene too is just, there's something really ter- like horrifying about seeing starved and emaciated people i mm-hmm. think it's like it's a kind of it's a kind of horror that like transcends like some of the like you know like bodily violence you know, like that can be horrifying also i'm trying to say it isn't but there's just something really horrifying about and unsettling about seeing starving people and like i, I even remember as a kid watching this and just thinking like this is like wow, like just like the profundity of the of the situation for these people is kind of driven home when you see that mother and her care her, her child. It's just like, ugh. yeah, yeah.
2: Um, they also in this scene originally when it was written, like the dialogue's pretty scant, but they added in because like they're just they the characters are literally called starving woman and hungry <laughs> child. Um, in all caps, those are their names. And I think they added in, like, the part where she says, Linda, is that you? Like, she recognizes the woman. That was something that was added later. Um, and I think that also kind of gives the scene a little bit more, like, I don't know, gravitas, that these are people that she knew, mm. right, that she must have known as a child or before she, like, left to go work for Extra Squad. So right. I don't know. I thought that was a nice little addition um, between the original script or the first draft script and what ended up making Push. it into the
0: show. It continues to build on Nara's connection with Venus specifically. Like yeah. She had she had friends, family, a life there, and she left it all behind to join the exo fleet. And because she does now, because she did that, now she can fight for her home. Yeah. Because who knows if she would have survived if she was still home when that happened. Oh my
1: God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, she might have been in the farmhouse when it got blowed up, right? Yep.
0: Um, well, uh, Linda, the the woman with the child, tells her where James is. Uh, that she is the, I think, I think she tells her that she, James is trading her squad mates for food. And Nara immediately turns around and leaves to go find them at this place called the Spires of Selene. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> at first I was like, are those actually rocks on Venus? And then I'm like, no, no, it's just a statue that someone made. <laughs> but, um, it, it it actually, the statue kind of reminds me of, uh, if anyone's ever played Dead Space, the like evil marker thing that makes, that uh, kicks off a lot of the bad stuff in that game series. <laughs> it kind of looks like that. Um, and I, I don't know why when I was watching this, when I was watching the scene, because she's driving her E-frame, she's not flying it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It 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 never occurred to me before that those round things on the feet were wheels. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: It's like wheelies for your ex. <laughs>
0: yeah, she's got extra wheelies. And and then I was trying to think about wait a minute, who like what are the like what are the real world physics behind a two legged tank vehicle? driving on two legs and like yeah pe- people can use wheelies but like that machine can't like unless like again it speaks to the the uh the technological advancement that you don't really think about like that thing has to be constantly rebalancing itself <laughs> and shifting yeah. based on what the feet are hitting with those wheels otherwise it would just fall over
1: it's got real <laughs> good yep. hydraulics like real yes. good hydraulics. Like
2: centrifuge to end all centrifuges in there
0: but she uh she very quickly finds uh because she knows where the spires of selene are um she very quickly finds james and the rest of her squad hops out of her e-frame runs over gives james a big hug even though she knows what's going on and Marsala's is just like this is very odd <laughs> <laughs> right and uh I, of course you know every time they have a cool name or something i have to look it up and uh like i knew selene sounded like uh a dnd goddess so Mm. (laughs) i figured it was based on some kind of religion and uh she is the daughter of the titans hyperion and thea thea probably butchered that and sister to the sun god helios and eos which are all roman i believe Hmm.
1: maybe greek I think Helios is Greek. Sure um, okay, I think. I feel like Helios. Well, you know what? We have the internet right here. Let's consult. Um, Speaking of doing our homework, right? <laughs> Helios is the.
2: Sun? But I feel like
1: Helios is the sun ver- Yes, it's the sun in Greek mythology. See, like anything that ends in an os like that, just sounds more Greek than Roman, right? Um, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, it's the soul. Soul is the Roman sun, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah oh so it's 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 most likely greek uh, or probably greek um <laughs> but she she gets there and she's talking to james and she's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> don't swallow my people to these to the to the neo sapiens and jt tries to convince them one more time like listen what you're doing is a mistake and then the neo sapiens show up and they're like yes we brought enough food for everyone and it they're like the the Neosapien that walked the unnamed Neosapien commander that walks out. is like, give me the exotroopers stop talking and give me the exotroopers <laughs> because he wants to get his hands on them for his sudden, but inevitable betrayal. Dun,
2: dun, dun. Yeah. It's a tries. trap. Oh, no.
0: right. <laughs> it's like they have every advantage on you. What did you think was going to happen? Right. And, um, so a firefight breaks out, uh, the, the Resistance starts shooting back and jumping around with their little jetpacks, and we actually see, like, we're, we, it's at this point in the series where you actually see people on screen start to get shot, mm-hmm. and um, JT runs for the tandem e-frame that Nara, like, just parked behind them, and he shows again that JT is probably one of the most skilled pilots in the exo fleet takes out like seven Neosabian e-frames with this thing all by himself. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, they, they get away, uh, Marsala, like, takes the one guy who got shot. He takes his jetpack. And how funny would it have been if Marsala just took the jetpack and left the guy there? <laughs> it's like, here, thanks, man. Later. It's like, it's like, you were about to sell me. Bye. <laughs>
2: um, something, again, so I'm just going to keep interjecting like this. Something that yeah. I like that they changed between the original draft script and what happens in the scene is that... um. I mean, so firstly, it's it's just funny that there's all this dialogue while the Sapiens are just standing there and, like, you know, <laughs> JT and James are going and at each other. Um, but part of the dialogue in the original script was like, Mace, you can't do this. The only hope Venus has is if you work with the Exo Force. James turns cold with anger on Mace. James, I don't want your help. This war is personal. They killed my mother and father. Mace, what about your followers? Do they want to risk their lives for your revenge? And that's when like nara kind of drops in um but yeah i think what happens in this scene as it plays out in the actual show is when jt tries to convince him james is like yeah but we're starving we're desperate where was the exo force all along like we've been waiting all this time um and i think that was like a much better way to characterize james because in the original script it's just about him and his revenge for his family whereas at least in this episode you know it's more about like well we're part of a resistance and we're trying to keep people alive. Yes. Or I thought that was well, a yeah, nice change that they
0: made. It makes him much more sympathetic because right. if he was, if he was just all about revenge, I wouldn't even kind of believe that he would be doing this plan in the first place. He would, be, he would be trying to get, like, more weapons from ExoFleet. Like, maybe he would have gone, like, the survival route, but I really think he would have just been, like, working with ExoFleet to try to get more weapons to fight rather than worrying about the survival of the refugees who couldn't fight. Right.
1: Right. Well, and that would make uh, this whole... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead. I,
1: no. I was just going to say this. That would make the whole transaction so much more reprehensible. And, like, it would also make him just a, an idiot. Because, like, it's like you have to know the Neosapiens are going to betray you, and the only way it's, like, mildly excusable is if it's like, well, he's starving, and everyone else is starving, and he's watching people he's probably known his whole life, like Linda, just wasting away, and he's got I have to do something, like, you know, like, probably has some in the back of his head knows, like, hey, this is going to be... I'm going to probably be betrayed here, but I have to do something, and this is the only option I have. So, like, I have to take the risk, the hope of maybe that the Neo-Sapiens won't be complete bastards and will give us some food. But of course, they're complete
0: bastards—bastard-coated <laughs> bastards with bastard feelings. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> with the one line James says, like he says, like I've seen people sell their soul for a crust of bread and like as an adult like thinking of the possibilities of that are m- much more traumatic than probably what i comprehended as a kid like the just again the desperation that they're experiencing is much more um fathomable now than it was bef- than it was for me as a 10 year old um the but they they get they get out of this situation mostly unscathed uh the uh the resistance or jt immediately forgives james because he is a saint of a man and <laughs> contacts the hit contacts able squad who is just sitting up in orbit like nara you're going to come back up anytime nara <laughs> where where are you <laughs> and uh bronski belches in JT's face as he over <laughs> as as he gets the message and then he re- relays the message to Admiral Winfield and Winfield's like well we can't abandon the resistance they're probably one of the only ways we can win this war let's start heading over towards Venus to evacuate them.
2: Um, and, oh, that that dialogue with Bronski and uh, JT like electronic dialogue or whatever was originally with Torres so there was no burping so that's yet another clever change they made. <laughs> Uh, you know, just to just to make sure you haven't forgotten that Bronski is kind of
0: gross and hilarious, um, Ad- adorably gross,
2: adorably gross. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, Too gross. Uh, and, and we we switch over to back to Diana, who uh, has convinced Draconis that he needs that she needs to see Zenobius in order to give him vital information about what how the exo fleet is going to sabotage the uh the graph shield and uh she she says she says like oh of course i wouldn't come here to sabotage anything and then immediately pulls the guard who's escorting her pulls his gun out of the holster and blasts him and it's one of the first times we ever see blood yeah
1: i think it's like one of the only times yeah. but i remember that like i remember that that's another scene that i remember from being a kid was like uh, and she shot him and like a like literal mist of blood shoots out of him when she does yeah
0: and I think they can get away with, they probably, so one of the things I also noticed was, like, the Venusian Neo-Sapiens have, like, these Stormtrooper outfits on, mm. Mm. and I think that's a trick that old cartoons used to do to get by the censors, because, like, the censors, ca- for some reason, would care if you could see the face of the person getting shot, but if you couldn't, it was okay. <laughs> huh. Because children years. are
2: too stupid yeah. to realize like, that there's a person inside a uniform.
0: A, <laughs> there's not a person in that stormtrooper outfit. It's just a stormtrooper. Right. Um
2: those you're talking about the ones with the scary masks though, right? Like yeah. they're like in a full like kitted out outfit with these like helmets with a yeah, stormtrooper yeah. Darth Vader looking mask. Little... Which
0: is really weird, right? Because like the they we've always known that like the Neo sapiens don't need that kind of equipment right so why are they wearing it
1: to look more terrifying
2: yeah yeah, probably as you say to look more terrifying and to like be able to do a little bit more violence on the (laughs) (laughs) shirt
0: more violence that's what i love that's what
2: the kids that's what the kids want
0: all right uh diana's like
2: (laughs) being such a badass for the first like 30 seconds of the scene or whatever and i was like yeah diana like you can you can do it like Redeem yourself, and then she kind of just shame. She kind of falls, yeah, falls flat on her face. <laughs> yeah, well, she's she's
0: she's a person of action. She didn't really think it through. She's like, okay, I got this gun. I got the scientist in here, and now we're going to escape <laughs> somehow. <laughs> and she well she goes she goes into that room with Zenobius and Algernon, and she's you know she's like, well, we're gonna escape, or I'm gonna fucking shoot you, Algernon. <laughs> And Algernon's like, "Well, how are we gonna escape?" And she's like, uh, "The back door." Like, there is no back door,
1: you idiot. <laughs> it's like my favorite part it's of that so whole good. scene. It's like, okay, where's the back door? It's like there isn't one. She's like, "Shit, I should have thought this through better."
0: <laughs> and she, 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 she calls JT for help, and JT's like, "I can't hear you. Like, what's going on?" <laughs> and and the 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 neosapiens like melt their way through that door and uh stop her before she's able to kill algernon even though like all it would have taken for her to kill algernon was point and click and he's gone right but she fails she fails in that maybe maybe because she didn't want to do it like i'm like that that's the only realistic read i could see on yeah.
2: it does she does she threaten to shoot him though i can't remember in this episode
0: yeah, yeah she's she she definitely says like if we don't get out of here i'm going to kill you or you know not not in those exact words but yeah you know, i'm gonna take care of you kind of thing yeah like, like i could take care of this problem right now but and- i don't know if does he tell her like he does later with jt when when he says like it doesn't matter if i'm alive the graph shield's already operational
1: i can't remember if he mentions that to it, her or not
2: and because i just asking because in the script when he says like that door is the only way out she then re- like she aims her blaster at him and says then there's only one way to stop you working for the neos uh, and
1: yeah.
2: then like she's literally about to shoot him but he's shouting no wait and then it says like script notes here before diana can pull the trigger we hear a loud explosion. So like, I don't know. In the original script, at least, like she was literally pointing her gun at him. She was about to shoot him.
0: Um, no, that's the way it happens. Yeah. Is that yeah, how th- it happens in this th-
2: episode? Okay, I couldn't remember. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's pretty that's pretty hectic for a kid's show as well. Like even though she doesn't shoot him, that's still, uh, it's pretty grim.
0: Remember kids, if you're ever caught in this situation, pull the trigger. <laughs> Just do, <laughs> do it. it. I have to shoot someone. Oh, man. <laughs> Do we... Don't 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 dilly dally.
1: <laughs> do we ever see Diana again?
0: You know, I I'm I'm really watching this show like episode by episode as we do these recordings. So I don't know. I think we do. I think we do. Um, but until next week when we record the next episode, I won't be able to confirm it <laughs> because. <laughs>
1: I remember thinking, <laughs> rewatching it this summer, I remember thinking, like, at some point in the second season, remembering Diana and thinking, where did she, did she, is she dead? Well, this
0: show, this show does do that a few times, where, like, a character, like, maybe dies, and we never get confirmation. Mm-hmm. Which,
1: like, um, I mean, a war like this would be like, you know, you'd have contacts with someone, yeah. and then you'd just never see them again, you'd never know. Like, oh, are they alive or are they dead? Label,
0: hmm. label them M.I.A. Like, we don't, we don't know what
1: happened. Because, like, the last that we uh, see of her, she's, like, unconscious on the floor, right? Or is it... Or do they take no, her away? She
0: she's, she's being dragged away by Draconis, who, like, picks her up by her shoulders and shakes mm-hmm.
1: her. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> oh And
0: it, he's the, the, the ultimate interrogation method. <laughs>
1: like, oh, that's right. Because, yeah, we were watching. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to give her shaken baby syndrome. Because he's just, like, <laughs> casually shaking her. <laughs>
2: She's she's don't like a little
1: ragdoll in his arms. I yeah. know. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um but yeah, and so it's just like I don't know, I don't think we see her again. And I don't know, I mean, I guess she got quietly taken off and executed. I mean, that's probably what happened. Like, this is like, well, hey,
0: you're you're obviously not on our side anymore. Time to do away with yeah, you. bye. Can we chuck her into the sun like we originally wanted to? Yep. <laughs> Boop
1: shame the the short and sad life of diana whatever her name was i mean it is pretty sad yeah yeah. she's like probably one of the most tragic characters in the entire show because she's like i have to betray my friends because they have my family and if i do that they'll send me to venus to stay with my family now i'm going to Venus to stay oh my god my family's been incinerated in this like genocide that they're doing and now i'm dead yep after failing to try and capture the scientist
0: yeah, I mean, it, it she really at this point like even what she does right there, like maybe what she told JT was useful cuz it tells him like where Algernon is, mm. but I actually kind of think like everything she did doesn't really impact the outcome mm. of what's going on at this point. Except no, it kind of does because after this Draconis comes Draconis comes in, sends Diana away, and he says mm. that there will be no more humans working mm. on the graph shield, and sends Algernon away to his quarters. And if he wasn't there, then what happens next might not have happened. Right, that's true. And on on a fashion note, I like Algernon's outfit. It looks very comfy and stylish.
2: <laughs> it's, got, it's like a kind of kimono style, like I don't know. Yeah, it's like a red and purple, comfy pajama-looking jacket, right?
0: yeah kimono and leggings like <laughs> That's right. i if if i had if i had someone to tie that belt for me every day like as like a servant I would, I would wear that
1: i think he kind of looks like an anime villain a little bit
0: he does he does look like a villain
1: and like anime specifically with the like giant collar and everything Yep, yep, yep. Because in anime, the bigger the collar is, the more evil you <laughs> right. are. So he's like mid-tier evil. So like maybe he's like middle management evil. So well, he—I would say—I would say he's not like evil. He's
0: just—he's—he um, doesn't have a moral compass like the rest of us. He only cares about his scientific advancements and not who wins the war. Yeah,
1: yeah. he's like he's amoral and just uh in um in the humanities we have this term for people like that saying it's like scientistic like science it's like science elevated to the point of being an ideology um, yeah and that's what he is you know it's like everything for science
0: it's a good term i've never heard
1: that yeah. before yeah it's a whole critique of like it did we don't have to get into it but like all the thing about how like science is still like a subjective way of grappling with the universe yeah. yeah, and some people elevate it to an objective ideology, and that's how you get dumb sites like "I fucking love science." But anyway, <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey man, I learn awesome things about sea slugs.
1: Yes, on the Instagrams, absolutely. But it's just this notion <laughs> that like science will fix everything. It's like, will it? Because like, I mean, yeah, eh, no. it's given us everything from social media to bulk surveillance to nuclear weapons, and it's like it's not just a, it's not just some like thing with its own logic. And that's the that's the (laughs) the aspect of it. Like, it doesn't have its own. Like, it's not like a a metaphysical force driving the universe. Like, it's a tool, a subjective tool in the hands of subjective humans.
0: By cavon, we wouldn't have had nuclear power if we didn't invent (laughs) nuclear weapons. (sighs) Great,
1: awesome, wow! So glad we did.
2: I, I mean, I do love like. Algernon is so wrapped up in his own world, though, that even when they go into his chamber, like, he knows there's shit going down, right? Like, he knows that there's all kinds of stuff happening around him. There's, like, potential sabotage. He almost just got kidnapped and or shot by a woman. And it's, like, when Able Squad, well, like, when JT and Deleon, like, finally, like, bust into his um, chambers later on, and I'm jumping ahead, like, he's just doing math problems or whatever. <laughs> on, like, a wide. He's just like, oh, God damn it, like, just let me do my math problems.
0: All I want to do is solve equations. Because <laughs> that's what scientists do all day long to solve equations. Right. <laughs> oh uh, well, well, like you like you said, Lexi, JT and uh, the resistance uh are scouting the graph facility. Um he actually does go to or look where Diana told him to meet her. Mm. with her terrible plan. And he's like, Well, they're not there. Guess we have to go with the other plan. Blow shit up. <laughs> and uh he sends he, the uh the resistance fighters go with their go with their jet packs. They do the uh, I like the scene where um the Neo sapien guy's like walking on this catwalk yes. that's on the side of the building and he just shoots the floor out from underneath him. That's a that's a real like pro gamer move right there,
1: I feel. <laughs> it's like I don't have to shoot you if you fall down the pit. <laughs> well and can we also just point out it's like it's not just a catwalk around a building. It's a massive dome with this inexplicable three foot wide ledge around it. With Over a no hundred feet up, no railing, and they've got one guard just sort of walking the perimeter up there. It's like, wouldn't a guard tower be easier? <laughs> you'd think so
0: you'd think so um well and so the the resistance plants some bombs and makes a distraction and jt and able squad go to find algernon and they find him almost immediately and alec just starts camping the door and his gun switches from like laser to machine gun throughout <laughs> the scene because like every like when you first see it, it's like kew, kew, and then it's like, dugga, 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 dugga. <laughs> it's like and it casings sounds like
1: stuff, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's a multi-purpose blaster i i love it and at the same time it's ridiculous um <laughs> All right. and uh jt goes into like goes into like killer must accomplish the mission mode and also threatens Algernon when they find him. He's like, you're gonna come with us and stop the graph shield or you know, we, we don't have a need for you and we can't let you stay here alive. And Algernon's like, not again. <laughs> and um you see another set of Neosapien uniforms with like red like carapace armor. I don't know why this always sticks out to me. Just like all the different Neosapien armor sets that... uh that we see, and I also like that Marcella is still in that suit that he stole from that shuttle guard. Uh <laughs> like, I mean the I guess previous he would, episode? Right? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, when yeah. when they when he uh, when he poses as a guard on the shuttle, he's wearing that uh, that uniform.
1: That's really good consistency.
0: Yeah, um, and yeah, they they argue for a little while, and Algernon's like, "Well, there's nothing I can do to stop it. It's." Act, it's ready to go. Even Zenobius could figure out how to pull the trigger, and uh, just a good, just a good jab at how dumb or how much Algernon disrespects Zenobius, who is probably smarter than most everyone else right. in his own respect, just not as smart as Algernon. Um, then Marsala's like, "Wait, did you do any work from this computer over here?" And Algernon's like, "Oh wow, how could I've been such an idiot? I can reprogram it from here." <laughs> Um the exo fleet is approaching at this point however and they get stuck in a fire in a fight with draconis's fleet who is trying to lure them in range of the graph shield and uh they one of the one of the parts of that scene is Marcus talks about this ship called the Newton that's taking fire and ever since I looked up the first one of those ships I've started looking them up every time they say a name of one and I thought it was interesting. The, the the thing that I found, which is probably the most direct reference here, is there used to be an Anglican cleric named um, Newton, who was once a captain of a slave ship, then taken captive as a slave, but freed later. And so he became an abolitionist. And he's also the guy who wrote Amazing Grace.
1: Fascinating.
0: What? What, I just John, assumed it was John like Newton? Isaac Newton. Huh. What? What was is that? His name John Newton. I think I think it was. I didn't write down his full name. I just yeah 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 John Newton. Newton. Huh. That's amazing. Yeah, it, I, there there's a few ships there's a few ships in uh, U.S. naval history called the Newton, but I think they're all referencing this guy. Uh, I could be wrong. Ah. But, but, um. During awesome. during the fight out in space, you know, Able Squad joins the battle because they're just hanging out. Um, and you start to see a, 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 the this is where you start to see maybe a little bit of usage of stock footage, but it's still pretty good that they don't use it as often as other shows would. And Bronski is loving the firepower of Alex E frame. He's just like, yeah, this is great, <laughs> and uh, then belches to <laughs> accentuate his his fun. <laughs> um we get we zenobius turns on the graph shield and he looks he looks he looks real nervous when he's doing it too he's like oh god i hope this fucking works but it, and it does because it starts crushing the exo fleet and i i think i probably mentioned this the first time we saw the graph shield that is terrifying
1: yeah or <laughs> like, oh, like, like what it does
0: yeah yeah Space is already deadly enough. The thought of having the fucking can that you're flying around in just collapse around you and crush you to death is just ugh. There's like the scene that
1: that I really love, um, where you start seeing the ships getting the smaller ships getting crushed, and the Resolute's still holding on. Guys, I'm assuming it's it's a bit bigger and more mass Mm -hmm. massive, like has more mass. But there's like it cuts to the I think it's the kitchen or the galley or whatever you call it on a ship like that, oh, yeah. and there's this just like dude just like with this like like comically horrified look on his face, watching these like cans of I don't know pop or something just like start to shake and then exp- and, like implode and spray like whatever everywhere. It's just like the look on his face just makes that scene so perfectly. Yeah, and we and we because of because of that nice scene there,
0: we we also see like people. Like, I think we see Captain Marcus mm-hmm. and he like something's happening to the people on that right. ship who are who are being affected by this graph shield. Like, I feel like maybe like it's compressing their their internal structure and it's really painful, mm. yeah. which, again, just ah, terrifying. <laughs> right. um, it, it, it's 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 interesting to see that it does have an effect on humans. Um. Which? Why wouldn't it? Right. Right, you know, right. Gravity is gravity. It doesn't care. It'll crush you. Um,
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Algernon. Algernon is, is is demonstrates his his perfect programming skills and puts in puts in a. This is for all my this is for all my programmer friends out there. Puts in a pull request and uh, <laughs> puts and, and and accepts it himself, which is you know. He's very arrogant if he does that, and uh, redirects redirects the grap shield via programming. And uh, as this happens, Zenobius watches and probably poops his pants. And uh, Alec Alec continues to rack up the body count at the at the front door when uh, Nara explodes the back wall, finally making the back door that everyone's looking for, and they escape. Um, Draconis is like, what, what the fuck is happening? You just destroyed my entire fleet with your goddamn Graph Shield. And Zenobius, is, he knows he's done at this point. And especially because we cut to the next scene, and Phaeton is on the hologram, and he's just like, I spent billions on building this toy of yours only to have it destroy one third of my forces. And uh, he sends Zenobius away for something probably to get shot Yeah, It's probably, uh, yeah, probably <laughs> going
1: to be put in the execution chamber with Diana. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, um, oh, Sorry, before we move on from that little scene, yeah. though, because, like, uh, so, again, this is another change that I I noticed this, and I took notes on it while we were watching the episode and then doing my homework. I saw that it was slightly different in the original script. So that sort of dialogue was seen between Phaeton and Zenobius, it plays out the same way like Zenobius is like it's not my fault ah. and then phaeton's like well whose fault could it be but yours and then in the original draft script Zenobius says i must accept the responsibility but in the show and like if you could put audio in i think it would be really powerful Zenobius just like hangs his head and he whispers no one's like and it's such a I don't know, like, even for a kid's show, it was a kind of, like, Goosebumps moment where you almost feel bad for Zenobius because he's realized that he's fucked up big time.
0: I spent billions for your research, Zenobius, and all you have given me is a disaster. Until we find what went wrong on Venus, the Earth's shield will remain deactivated. It is not my fault, Phaeton. You are the inventor of the Graph shield. You promised me it would work. Whose fault could it be but yours? No. Take him away.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, And he is, you know, I don't know. I can't remember if we see Zanobius again after this, but like...
0: No. That it was, was, it was just, I'm pretty sure. It,
1: yeah. You
2: know, there's a lot of like weird voice acting. You know, like earlier, especially like when Nara jumps out of her um, E-frame when she is stopping James from, you know, trading... Uh, Alec and Marsala and De Leon, what? sorry JT for like food like her voice acting is really weird in those scenes but in this particular scene whoever was doing Zenobius did such a good job of that little like mm-hmm. moment I just had to point that out because I think it was really really well done um, and it was a nice change in the script well, you, as well because it just had more emotion
0: it's it's. Uh, I, I think I think the only complaint I have about that is you, I thought about it for a while and it's like Okay, probably they would have figured out that Algernon was kidnapped, right? Because this, or maybe Draconis just does, doesn't fucking care. But like, it, he Zenobius may have been able to make, like say, okay, yes, this is kind of my fault. But like, Algernon was the true genius behind it. I was just the guy pulling the trigger. I can help fix it. And he might have been able to convince him, or maybe at that point he's just like, well, even if I say that Phaeton's going to kill me anyways because I've just proven I'm not that useful. Right. Um, I, I feel like there's about a... There are some ways that Zenobius could have done that, but maybe he just wasn't of a mindset to think of them right then, and just was like, well, I guess I'm done. Also,
2: I mean, it's oh. Phaeton. Like, you, you probably don't want to chat yeah. Phaeton.
0: <laughs> don't don't tell. He, that's he. He's the manager who you really don't want to find out that you're just slacking off at your day job <laughs> right. because he will definitely fire you um, hey, out of a cannon.
2: He's the big <laughs> boss, the so you resent him, but you're not going to sass him.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the one the one thing about the about this script here is he said – Phaeton says he he spent billions. What it.
1: Yeah. Is Phaeton paying people? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because, like, the only – it's funny because when he's building his fleet at the beginning and it's, like, the finance minister or whatever is, like, oh, somebody's diverting, like, lots of resources and money. It makes sense because they're still plugged into, like, the Earth economy, which I'm assuming is still capitalist because it seems like they have private enterprise. Um, Yeah. But we don't ever really see, like – this isn't, like, a Nazi situation where they're still working with, like – Like private arms manufacturers and stuff to purchase weapons and things. Like, it's there. We don't ever see like there's no like Neo Sapien industrialists, like, there's no like Tyson Krupp or whatever that he's like buying, you know, Neo Sapien tanks from or something. Mm -hmm. And so, it just I don't know. It just yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, why do you have money here? You like have like a one, not even a one party, just a one leader fascist state. You're like, you're basically God.
0: Yeah, like you, you are the state, you are the economy. Like and like you never see like like maybe if there were some scenes of like how neo sapien troops unwind, they like go to a bar and spend a few bucks on some drinks or something like that. Some like Doritos. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vending machines on, on their bases <laughs> like mm.
1: Do you think Doritos still exist in this time? That's a good and do neo sapiens like Doritos?
2: I was thinking about that scene like way back at the, you know, with the ukulele hipster um at the bar on Earth when Napier is like getting fucked up and then he throws down those like little plastic triangles mm. on the, um but maybe that's just human currency. Maybe Neosapiens have, I don't know.
0: Of the entire Park. Neo-Sapien economy is based on chips. <laughs> on
1: on Dor- <laughs> actual Doritos. <laughs> just,
2: just, just like literal Doritos.
1: <laughs> like, uh, cool, cool Ranch is trading, uh, trading high today against spicy chili. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: gross. All right.
0: Um... <laughs> <Sorry>. mm, Doritos. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, it's uh, Le- Lexi, so... Um, I wanted to, I, I, I don't know why I was thinking of you specifically, but uh, a, fr- a friend of, of, Nancy was talking to a friend of, uh, friend of hers about like the disgusting eating habits I had as a teenager, which I'm still, I still have some disgusting ones now, but like not nearly as bad as back then. And one of the things that existed when I was a teenager was a cube of Pepsi or Mountain Dew, which was like a 24 pack. Hmm. And we were talking about how I would like, occasionally house one of those in like two or three days <laughs> and i remember those days she was she was telling that to a friend and uh, i think they i think they live uh in south africa and they were like what <laughs> why does such a thing i've never heard of such a thing like yeah have you were you ever exposed to this madness of a 24 pack of soda like the like package like that in a way to entice you to drink it all in like a day
2: i don't think so i don't rem- is you got gonna send me a picture of what you're talking about because i'm trying i'm just imagining a bunch of cans stacked up in a cube shape right now
0: no that's that's what it is that's what it, it comes in a cube shaped box and it's just a cube of mountain dew that you drink while you're playing video games all day
2: I don't see how that would encourage you to drink more than other stuff. I mean, like, I don't know. I grew up. With I like, guess.
0: I guess that's true.
2: <laughs> I grew up with like a two-liter soda bottle, which was, you know, the. I mean, we have the cans, and we have sm- like five hundred milliliters, or like a half a liter, or whatever, like different sizes, but.
0: uh... Well, I guess specifically these were marketed to like video game players. To be like, grab your cube of Mountain Dew for your all-night gaming session. I do not remember that. We don't get Mountain Dew
2: either. I think that's. <gasps> We, we get, like, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Fanta, where I guess that was a Nazi invention, but anyway. Um, and then, like, you know, some of the other ones. I miss Fresca. That one I remember. But um. You can get Fresca I don't here. think we get Mountain Dew in South Africa. Do you still get Fresca in this country? Yeah, we have
1: Fresca here. Fresca's a... What? Yeah.
2: Sorry. Okay.
1: All right. We'll get you I'm some Fresca time. next time we go to Walmart.
2: <laughs> it's probably going to be so <laughs> fucking disappointing. Anyway. <laughs> yes, there are some... Some, some cultural differences in the ways in which we eat and drink food in different parts of the world. And I will say like American food has way more sugar and salt in it. Yeah. Which makes it delicious, but it also makes it really bad for you. <laughs> An, a
0: neighbor A neighbor of mine was, uh, was actually a food engineer for like Hostess. Oh no. And he described to me the like the focus groups that it, he was, this is his job. He would gather focus groups and put like snack cakes and shit on tables with slightly tweaked formulas to find the exact right amount of sugar and salt that people would eat to make them crave more of it. Oh, yeah. So that like, if they picked up a ho-ho with this altered chemistry and they ate it and then they're like, man, I want to eat another ho-ho. They'd be like, okay, we're on the right track like oh man
2: yeah why are we so fucked (laughs) which which kind of makes me wonder so like again not to jump ahead but the the episode kind of ends with uh jt delivering on his promise or whatever to like get the venusians food um Mm -hmm. and he shows like he opens that kind of crate and there's just like a bunch of like canned food in there and i was like oh like maybe that maybe it's just a cube of pepsi (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> have a good
2: <laughs> I mean, your resistance. I, I, you're I, gonna need all the sugar you can
0: get. It would probably suck, but the most efficient way to do it would probably be like giving people protein powder. Like, yeah, and you know, like I can eat my calories for the day. Bloop, bloop here's some water. Like, yeah. You, survival, survival. Like, uh, uh, but like you said, the, the episode ends with um, JT. And Nara talking to James, uh, telling them, telling him that, like, yeah, we, we understand why you did what you did, uh, and we're going to deliver on our promise. Uh, James says, we can't evacuate because we have to stay here and fight. And with JT, they gives the, like, the exo fleet gives them all the supplies supposedly that they'll need. And uh, they we have this this heart-wrenching single tear shot of James watching Nara leave, leave Venus once more. And the episode ends there. Oh uh, God, so Amor powerful squad returns to the exo fleet, you? Well, they've been gone a long time at this point. Yeah. Who JT and uh, yeah. JT Alec and Marsala. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is, huh.
2: it's actually, if you think about it, cause it's been one of like three episodes, they've been separated from the rest of the squad.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been at least like a week, maybe
1: even a little bit. Longer, Probably feels like, well, however long it takes to get to the sun and then back from the sun to Venus and, <laughs> you know, because like this all starts with them landing with Noretti, right? Um, when they come in on the on the asteroid. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yes. Oh, my God, Noretti. Yeah. I come back to her someday. Mm. Mm.
0: Mm-mm.
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> but she's dead. She's definitely dead.
1: <laughs>
2: She's dead. she'll never drink a pepsi cube again
0: <laughs>
1: poor alice that's your like that's oh. your marker of subjectivity in the future is like <laughs> you're you you are a person if you've drank a cube of pepsi
2: yeah right in tell us now have you ever consumed an entire cube of pepsi or mountain dew
1: <laughs> i've consumed like an entire cube of old milwaukee and things like that before <laughs> <laughs> that's different <laughs> Um, I mean, never just... forget,
0: never, never forget the time that uh, my brother's roommate tried to give us a case of Beast house <laughs> I,
1: I don't that's even know weird. what that is. Was that when is, we were playing, uh, best? Was that when we were playing uh, Halo over there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys want some beers?
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: I'm a baby, but maybe. But we gonna drive back to Pennsylvania in however long it takes us to beat this video game. I like how we like we're gonna stop there for an afternoon. And it was like, oh, we're just gonna stop at like, you know, have lunch with your brother. And then it's like eight hours later, we've beaten Halo.
0: Well, it, it ended up that playing Halo was way more fun than the thing we drove for D- to DC. Oh god, for yeah,
1: me. that's right. That, that really terrible Nero event. I forgot about that. I actually yeah. forgot why we were there. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, oh, we, went there. we went there your brother. We went there for DC Nero. playing Halo. Whatever. As you do.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, anyway. well. But anyways, that's 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 the end of the episode. Can I, um, can I
2: just point out like two more little things from the script? Yeah. They were different. So just talking about cubes of Pepsi, Um, in the original script of Mace, i.e. JT, says, you know, I did a little requisitioning of my own. And then there's not even a direction for like puts down a crate. There's no like visual direction here. But James's next line is, parenthesis, delighted. A food reconstitutor. <laughs> I really want <laughs> yes. to know what... <laughs> What was a food reconstitutor? Maybe they obviously thought like let's just put a crate full of cans in the shot because that's going to be more like visually makes sense for kids. But I'm like, what exactly is a food reconstitutor? Do you put like dirt in it and it turns it into food? No, it,
1: like that's what? that's what I'm... it reconstitutes food. You shit into it and it makes <gasps> your shit into food. I guarantee you that's what it is.
0: That makes so much sense. Okay. So like so like maybe it's like a really really super efficient like um. Uh, God, I can't remember what they're called now. The things from Star Trek that made food for them. Replicators. Or like, if you want to go more Jetsons with it, you call it the food-araka-cycle. Like, or like the microwave in uh, The Fifth Element. Yeah. You just yeah. like
2: put a little tablet in it and it turns it into a roast chicken. Um, I'm going with k on this one. I think a food reconstitutor is like literally a box that you shit in and then like 12 hours later,
1: you have a burrito. it's food again. As, as,
0: the Dana,
2: shit oh.
0: as the great Dana Carvey once said, you don't pee into a Mr. Coffee and get Taster's Choice.
1: <laughs> Except with the food reconstitutor, you do. You can have Dana Carvey like, do the advertisements for it. He's like, when I said this, I was wrong. You can pee into the Reconstitutor 2000 and get Taster's Choice. I'm anyway, um, like, pee coffee. <laughs>
2: I also, just want to say the the ending of this was like so not oh, I don't know how to say this a little bit weird but like everyone's like okay goodbye now bye 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 like Nara I'll miss you take care of yourself I'm proud of you sis says James and then James I'm proud of you all end of episode nine like fade out or whatever wow. um, whereas the way it ended in the show is that James is left standing there's like that beautiful shot as you mentioned there's like a close up of his face there's like tear running down his cheek very dramatic and then there's like a shot of him standing on the the hill looking at the venusian sunset that we've been hearing about over and over again and he says so long sis i'll make you proud of me um which again is just a wonderful choice like and a great way to end this very powerful episode
0: it's a lot better (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) i mean writing is hard there's draft scripts exist and thankfully people rework things (laughs)
2: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But anyway, I I like that. I thought that was really good. Uh,
0: good yeah. editing. Yeah. So so that's that's episode nine. Um, thanks everyone for listening. As always, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash em network. And I don't have anything else to plug this week. Do either of you two have anything else to plug?
2: Nah, just my usual. I mean. <laughs> This is my life now is making time to paint miniatures in between doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing for money.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like you, I hope I know, I know it's, it's, it would be so expensive to make a, to like be able to charge enough for painting minis to make a living. But I know there are people out there who do it. Like, because yeah, there's 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 rich nerds out there who are like, I want to paint my entire Warhammer army, but A, I don't have any time, and B, I suck at painting. So maybe I could pay someone else to do it? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's really a thing, but I assume it is. Um, Kayvon, anything? You know, uh, right?
1: Well, we're still working on that project I've mentioned. Um, it is moving along. We have a script for the first uh, issue of what we're doing. I'll say a little bit more about it once it's a little more concretized and I can share some images and things. It's tantalizing our yeah, audience. It is. Yeah, it's coming along. I, I don't know. We'll see. It's. Uh, I'm, I'm having fun with it at the very least. I don't know what this is really going to turn into long term, but it's definitely just something fun to do for now, and we will see where it goes. And, yeah, we'll definitely uh, We'll share more with listeners once we have uh, more to share.
0: Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next yeah. time. Au revoir. Bye. Bye. Cheers. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'll be proud of you mm <laughs>